So if the uh, children would like to come to the front and have a seat somewhere uh, on the carpet at the front. It's um, first Sunday of the month and we always have our all-age service on the first Sunday. So, Okay, so today we're starting a new series on 1 Corinthians. And 1 Corinthians is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. Now, Paul used to be called Saul. And he was a Pharisee, and he hated Christians. In fact, he was busy rounding them up and putting them all in prison. Does that sound like the kind of person who would write a book of the Bible? doesn't, does it? But Jesus appeared to Saul and completely changed his whole life. Saul became Paul, and he spent the rest of his life serving God. Uh, He went on dangerous and daring adventures that we call his missionary journeys, and he experienced all kinds of hardship. Do you know he was put in prison at least four times? He was whipped five times. He was shipwrecked three times. On one occasion, he spent a whole night and a day in the open sea. You can imagine he must have been freezing at the end of that, bobbing around in the water. He was pelted with stones, and he was beaten with sticks three times. He was bitten by a snake. He was in danger from fast-flowing rivers and from bandits and from wild animals. Uh, Paul's missionary journeys, his adventures, were full on. And he went through all of that because he wanted to tell the good news about Jesus Christ. Now, on Paul's second journey, he went to a city called Corinth, And he stayed there for a year and a half. Now, Corinth was this huge city by the sea. It had ginormous buildings. It had lots of ships. It had people coming and going from all over the world. And at Corinth, they had temples to Greek and Roman gods, which weren't really gods at all. So Corinth was a city where people didn't know and love the one true God. And you know what? All sorts of terrible things happened in Corinth. But Paul started a church there, a group of people who decided to follow Jesus and live very differently from the people around them. But when Paul left Corinth, he started to get reports that the people from the church were misbehaving. In fact, their behavior was so bad that Paul wrote this letter. 1 Corinthians is a letter to a really messed up church. And this letter to this confused and wayward church. In this letter, Paul talks about power and wisdom. But what does power look like? So I'm going to show you some slides. There's going to be two people on each slide. And I want you to tell me uh, who is the most powerful person. So we've got the first slide up. So we've got Eddie Hall, former world's strongest man. And who, who reads Diary of a Wimpy Kid? Put your hand up if you've read that. Quite a few of you. Okay. So we've got the Wimpy Kid. And we've got Eddie Hall. You can shout it out. Who is the most powerful out of those two? Eddie Hall. Eddie Hall, okay. So the next slide, we've got Kim Jong-un. He's the leader of North Korea. He's surrounded by his generals. He's pointing something out in the distance. And then we've got a, a man who lives probably in a village in North Korea. He's carrying his gas bottle. He's probably quite poor. He may never have been very far from his village or town. Who is the more powerful? Is it the leader or the man from the village, what do you think? The leader. The leader, okay. 
next one, we've got a judge and a prisoner. Who would you think is the most powerful out of those two? The judge. The judge. Okay, because the judge can put the criminal in prison, can't he? And what about the next one, a lion and a lamb? Which one would you think is a, a lion? Okay. And the last one, uh, we've got a warrior and a baby. Who is more powerful out of those two? A, a baby? Well, I don't, I don't know why they're laughing. You might have got the point of this already. So, uh, yeah, no, but we would think a warrior. So we've got an idea. We've got an expectation of what power is and what it looks like. And in Corinth, there were the Jews, and uh, the Jewish people were expecting their Messiah. They were waiting for their Messiah, a powerful leader who would make their nation, their country, into the most powerful nation in the world. They were expecting a warrior king. They could never have imagined that their Messiah would look like this. Uh, As far as they were concerned, anyone who that happened to could definitely not be the Messiah. But for us too, when we think about power, this is not really what we think of, is it? And yet God tells us, or rather the Apostle Paul tells us, uh, that this is the power of God. So there were Jews in Corinth, but there were also Greeks, people who weren't Jews. And uh, most of the people, in fact, were Greeks. And the Greeks loved their fine words and important-sounding language, and they had discussions and they had debates, uh, trying to uh, uh, get to the bottom of the deep mysteries of the world. And when it came to God, they used their clever minds, they used their intellect to make up the kind of God that they wanted. The ancient Greeks, they thought they were wise, and they believed that you could understand God just by putting a lot of thought into it. But Paul said, no, we can't understand God unless God makes himself known to us, unless God reveals himself to us. And this is how God has revealed himself to us. So the Jews, they were insulted by this. They said, our Messiah could never look like that. That would never happen to our Messiah. And the Greeks thought this was foolishness. They said there's nothing wise about putting yourself in that position. You see, the people of the ancient world, those who lived a long time ago, they could never have imagined that God would reveal himself like this. They couldn't have made this up. The Apostle Paul said, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived or thought up the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And when we think of what God has prepared for those who love him, we tend to think, oh, he's he's talking about heaven. No, he's talking about that. A crucified saviour who died for your sins and my sins. That is what God has prepared for those who love him. Nobody could have made this up. The Jews couldn't have made this up. The Greeks couldn't have made this up. We couldn't make this up. But even today, even within the church, sometimes it's like we want to pick and choose uh, the bits we like. It's sometimes as if we're in a supermarket and we're taking the things we like off the shelf and putting them in a basket. Now, um, I'm going to show you a slide with lots of words. So, 
So lots and lots of words, about as many as I could fit on there. Um, and they're all words to do with God and the Christian faith and the Christian life. Of course, there could be hundreds of more words, but that's uh, a, good, a good start. So what I'm going to do is get a few of you to just give me three words that you really like from that slide. Okay, so who can give me three words that they, that they really like? What are the three words that you like, Charlie? Wisdom, peace, and prayer. They're good words. What, what, did you have three words, Our what? Church. Church. Church, prayer, and peace. They're good words too. Taropa, what words have you got? Church, fellowship, and prayer. Church, fellowship, and prayer. Would any of the adults like to have a go? Three words. There's no right or wrong answer to this. You're going to shout three words out. Mercy, grace, and peace. Okay, one, one more, Jenny. What's your three words? Truth, church, and... <coughs> family. And... Joy. Truth, church, and joy. Good words. So uh, they are all good words. They're important words, and there's nothing wrong with the choices that any of you made, because I did say you could only pick three words. But on their own, those groups of three words do not give us the gospel. If we try to think our way to God, we might get some of this, but we won't get all of it. And the world's wisdom could never give us the whole picture. The world's wisdom could never bring us to the cross. Only by accepting a crucified God who died for our sins and rose to new and everlasting life can we understand the fullness of the good news. Uh, The only way that we can hold all those words and more together, the only way that we can hold the whole faith together is by believing in Jesus. But the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But why does it seem like foolishness? Well, let me give you an illustration. Who is this? I don't expect most of you will know who this is. Some of the, most of the adults, I hope, will know who it is. Do any of the children, first of all, know who this is? Any ideas? Few (laughs) shrugging of, what was that? An old man, okay. That's, uh, that's good, good, uh, good observation there. Anyang? Jenny? A president? No, he's not a president. Somebody, uh, one of the adults, shout it out. Who is that? Bill Gates. Okay, so uh, Bill Gates is the founder of Microsoft. Uh, He's uh, one of the richest men in the world. He's got billions and billions of dollars. And you know what? He actually gives a lot of money away. He and his wife do a lot of good work, and they should be commended for that. Now, I'm just going to show you where Bill Gates lives This is Bill Gates' house, or one of them. Now, it looks like a decent-sized school, doesn't it? So Bill Gates, he's a billionaire. He gives away lots of money, but as you can see, he's still got quite a lot of money. Now, what would you think if Bill Gates gave away everything? He gave away every cent that he has, all his money, all his property, his cars, his helicopter, whatever else. He gave away everything, and he went to live in this shack. What would you, what would you say? What would you say to that, Charlie? Um, 
You say, that's unlucky, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Declan? Thank God. Thank God? Okay, well, he's, he, he's uh, certainly be a generous thing to do. Mind-blowing. Good word. Yeah, I mean, we might say all sorts of things. We might say, that's really generous. Uh, we might be full of admiration. But actually, we might also say, well, that's a waste. He didn't need to go that far. He could have kept some of his money. You know, maybe if he held on to some of his wealth and his power, then perhaps he could have done even more good. You know what? We might even say, that was foolish. Why would anybody... Do that. But what about God then? What did God give up? Everything in heaven and earth belongs to God. And God gave up his power, his majesty, his glory. He was born in a stable. He was poor. He was hated. He was nailed to a cross. He was killed by the very people that he had lovingly created. And the world looks at that as foolishness. But to those who believe, it is power and wisdom. In fact, it's the most powerful event in the history of the world. What happened after Jesus' death? What happened after three days? I would have have someone else to answer a question. What happened after three days, Marcellus? He rose out of the tomb. He rose from the grave. And that means that anyone who puts their trust in Jesus will live forever with him. Now, in the city of Corinth, who do you think it was who put their trust in Jesus? Uh, Was it the wise and the rich and the powerful? I mean, it could have been, because Jesus will accept anyone who turns to him. But for the most part, it wasn't. So if it wasn't the wise and the rich and the powerful, who do you think it was in Corinth that put their trust in Jesus. What do you reckon, Zen? The poor people? Yep. What were you going to say, Jenny? The the hopeful and poor. Okay, yeah. It was the people who nobody thought was wise. It was the poor. It was the powerless. It was the people who everyone looked down on, in fact. It was the very kinds of people that Jesus spent so much of his time with. You see, the wise and the rich and the powerful, they wanted a God who was wise and rich and powerful in the same way that they were. And they thought that a God like that would like them the best. But God is not impressed by our money or our brains or by what we're able to do. He just wants us to put our faith and trust in his son Jesus who died for us. The cross might look like foolishness to the world, but it's got the power to change our lives now and forever. So what could be wiser than putting our faith and our trust in Jesus? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you died for us. We thank you that your plan is one that no one could have thought of, but it is power and wisdom, and we can be saved forever because of what you've done for us. And we pray that we'll continue to trust you uh, even above ourselves or anything else. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.